Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in Isaiah 57 and uh, before we start the reading, I'm just going to open us with prayer. Father God, I just lift up this day. I praise you for the way you've taken care of us. I thank you for the many blessings you've bestowed on us. And I just pray that you would be honored and glorified by this time. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that you would help me and others to understand what you want from us. I just pray that you would show us, you would guide us, and that we would bring you glory and honor, and that each and every day we would strive to be closer to you, that our hearts and our minds would rest in you, that your spirit would guide us and touch us, that we'd know your voice, and that we would do justice and provide charity and love to others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today we're in 57, but before we get into it, I just in my own readings, my own study, my own time, I was really looking at going back and kind of summarizing some of the main themes that have been in Isaiah so far. And so I'm just going to quickly go through those. As I see them, you may see them differently. Um, The first one, and I think it's the most prevalent, is I am your God. I am the Lord your God. There is none like me. And I think we see consistently throughout the readings and throughout the book that God is, he he wants you to worship him, not something else. Well, what can that something else be? Well, we've seen a lot about idols. And I was talking to a friend of mine and she was saying, why is God so insistent on being worshiped? And as we just discussed it, what we really understood, came to understand was, A, because he deserves it. He did create the whole world. He did create us. And to give credit somewhere else is foolishness. And it's also harmful to us because then we aren't understanding really how the world works. We aren't understanding how our spirits work. And we don't understand the communion that our spirits need to be with God when we give credit to something else. So I think that it's critically important that we worship God and we recognize him, recognize him as the only God and the creator of all. And that sometimes in my own prayer time, I find that, you know, I say, oh, God, the creator of all. It's kind of, you know, becomes flippant, not flippant, but just rote. And the understanding of the majesty of God is critical in our in our thinking and in our growth. And again, our spirits were made to fellowship with him and he is spirit. And if we don't understand and don't do it, then and worship him and give him the credit and understand that he is the one who created it all, not something else, then we aren't going to really grow and we're not going to be fulfilled. The second theme that I've noticed was really it's it's don't rely on things of this world. <clears throat> so we remember what's our our Egypt? Is it our wealth? Is it our knowledge? Is it our family? What walls are we hiding behind? Why do we need to only rely upon God? Well, because everything else is going to let us down. Again, God is looking out for our best interest. Your banker may not be. Your investment advisor may not be. 
Heck, sometimes your spouse may not be. They're just people, and people make mistakes, and they do things for themselves. At times, they don't put you first. So really, put God first, and don't rely on things of our world. Rely upon Him. Third theme that I've seen, and there's five of them, God has always had a plan for the Gentiles. So often I've in my, my life I thought about the Jews and they were so fortunate because you know they're his chosen people. All people are God's chosen people. Um, you know, he's had a plan for all of us, and it was pretty apparent throughout, even up until I believe the last chapter that we read. God has always had a plan for redeeming and saving and fellowshipping with the people, all the people of the earth, all of his creation, not just one group. The fourth theme was God really hates injustice. He hates wickedness. And he really dislikes it when we treat the poor poorly. He loves charity. He expects charity and justice from those who are in positions to offer it. And that always reminds me of the person who's, you know, sitting asking for money, who really does have an injury of some sort and some reason, and that I just drive by. I callously look forward, don't ever look their way, don't even acknowledge them as a person. And that lack of charity can so easily be shown to me. So God loves those who, who provide justice provide mercy. He hates injustice and wicked wickedness. Take care of the widows and the fatherless. We read multiple times. And the corrupt politicians, they should be very nervous. Lastly, number five, <clears throat> the, the fifth theme that is run throughout Isaiah so far has been when we repent and turn back to him, he'll guide our ways and literally tell us which way to turn left or right he will guide our journey he will guide our path but we must turn not in this chapter but in 58 there will be a whole the whole chapter is about fasting and how to properly fast and it talks about the chains of injustice the chains that bind being dropped off of people and it's a very interesting, it's a great, very inspiring chapter. So, again, <clears throat> the various themes that I see, you may see things differently. I am the Lord your God, there is no other. Don't rely upon things of the world. God has always had a plan for the Gentiles. God hates injustice and loves charity. And when you repent, and turn to him. He'll guide your ways and tell you where to go. Those are the themes that I've seen that have strengthened me, that I've learned in this reading so far. Today, in 57, we're going to be reading about, uh, it's a continuation from 56, where God was accusing and had accusations against the wicked. So in 57, verse 1. The righteous perish, and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away, 
and no one understands, that the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. But you come here, you children of a sorceress, you offspring of adulterers and prostitutes. Who are you mocking? At whom do you sneer and stick out your tongue? Are you not a brood of rebels, the offspring of liars? You know, it's funny, when I read that, I, th- I was thinking back, man, when I was a kid and I stuck my tongue out at people, I didn't realize it was uh, such a major insult. But really, when you read this, you know, death isn't considered a, a negative by God. It's actually spare, potentially sparing the righteous from evil and even worse fates. But when I, when I start reading about this, and I start reading the description of a society, sorceresses, adulterers, prostitutes, people mocking and sneering. To me, it just reminds me so much of the lack of respect in the way that people are treated today, how they mistreat others, people they don't agree with, and they just treat them with such disdain. On Getter, which I'm part of, at Just a Guy, uh, 10, 2021. There's so much anger and disdain for Biden and Kamala and all the Democrats that it, it hurts me. It's just, I, I don't like seeing it directed at, at me and the people I care about. And I don't like it being seen or being directed and shown to others. And I don't think it really is edifying that much. And I, I try my best not to get wrapped up in it and participate in it. I do have my own opinions. I'm not a big fan of our current administration, but I try not to get wrapped up in the the negative elements of it. Um, verse 5. You burn with lust, lust among the oaks and under every spreading tree. You sacrifice your children in the ravines and under the overhanging crags. The idols among the smooth stones of the ravines are your portion. Indeed, they are your lot. Yes, to them you have, you have poured out drink offerings and offered grain offerings. In view of all this, should I relent? You have made your bed on a high and lofty hill. There you have went up to offer your sacrifices. So, I mean, God's talking to people that are sacrificing their children. He's talking to people who are, you know, com- conducting their rituals under the trees, killing children, having sex, whatever it might be. And then the question is, should he relent? Behind your doors and your doorposts, you have put your pagan symbols. Forsaking me, you uncovered your bed. You climbed into it and opened it wide. You made a pact with those whose beds you love, and you looked with lust on their naked bodies. Sounds like porn to me. Um, It's just the ancient version of porn. You went to Molech with olive oil and, and increased your perfumes. You sent your ambassadors far away. You descended to the very realm of the dead. You, weary, you wearied yourself by such, a, such going about, but you would not say it is hopeless. You found renewal of your strength, and so you did not faint. Whom have you dreaded and feared that you have not been true to me and have neither remembered me nor taken this to heart? Is it not because I have long been silent that you do not fear me? I will expose your righteousness and your works and they will not benefit you. When you cry out for help, let your collection of idols save you. The wind will carry, carry 
all of them away. A mere breath will blow them off. But whoever takes refuge in me will inherit the land and possess the mountains. Basically, it's the, you've made your bed, and now you're going to lie in it. You've become crazy adulterers. You've opened your beds to everybody. You have all your idols. You haven't remembered the Lord. And so then all of a sudden, when you cry out, he's basically telling telling those people, hey, you're going to just deal with it. Um, whereas <clears throat> the, those who take refuge in him, <clears throat> excuse me, will inherit the land and possess his holy mountain. Comfort for the contrite. Verse 14. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a holy and a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite, I will not accuse them forever, nor will I be angry, for then they would faint because of me. The very people I have created, I was enraged by their sinful greed. I punished them and hid, hid my face in anger, yet they kept on their willful ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. So, quite the contrast. The wicked, who are doing all sorts of terrible things, even sacrificing their children, they're giving their praise and their offerings to false gods and idols and and just living a life of debauchery. And then there's the contrite who God will comfort. The contrite, maybe they're not, you know, the best, or you know what, I would define myself as not being the best at all. Um, but they aren't the the ones that, you know, the Pharisees would hold up as examples. But they are contrite. They do not hold themselves in high esteem. They continue to reach out to God and look to him. And they will be comforted in this time. They will be the ones who have the peace given to them by God. So the next chapter in verse 50 or in chapter 58 is about the true fasting as God defines it. And that's just as, as interesting. But this, this chapter we've really seen again, it's just reemphasizing how God hates wickedness. He hates those who worship the false gods, which are ultimately just kind of things they've made up that don't want to, people who don't want to give credit where credit is due. So it just continues with our, and supports the theories or the themes that are in there, those five themes. Anyways, with that, I'm just going to wrap us up with a quick word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your insights. Thank you for your word. And I just pray that our insights would be from you, not from our own thoughts. I pray that our hearts and our minds would be filled by you, that we would seek you out, that we would only worship you, that we would recognize your true justice, and that you are the one and true and only God. 
that we would give you the right praise, that we would recognize you correctly, that we would honor and love you, and that our spirits would fellowship with you. Father, I just pray for this, the rest of this week. I pray that you'd be able to, that you would walk with us, that we would be able to bring you glory and honor, that we would see others as you see them, that we would put you first at the beginning of our day and at the end of our day and throughout our day. I pray that we would be faithful, that we would never give up, and that we would do your will and hear your voice. I thank you for the many blessings. I just pray for all the concerns we have. I pray that you would comfort our hearts and our minds and walk with us. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God.